1: Greetings and love. Welcome to the African American Studies Channel. I'm your host James Stansel on the New Books Network. And today I have the great pleasure of working and talking with Ben H. Winters. He is a national best-selling author, and he wrote the book Underground Airlines, which talks about a kind of an alternate future where slavery still exists in some southern states. So this is really interesting. And if you know, if you're questioning his motivations for writing something like this. Listen to this interview, you'll find that he is very genuine and he has some specific goals he's trying to accomplish uh, with this book. So give it a listen. Greetings and welcome back to the New Books Network, the African American Studies Channel. I'm your host James Stansel, and I have the pleasure of being here today with a national best-selling author. He's well-known in the science fiction world, and we're going to make him known all over the entire world after this interview here. His name is Ben H. Winters, and he wrote the novel Underground Airlines. How are you doing today, Ben? Doing all right, James. How are you? Um, uh, well, we just talked offline about yeah, I'm in Houston, but I'm I'm hanging, right? you're above water yeah. Uh, yeah you know and so i have That's... everyone in houston in my in my thoughts but thank you for for asking and yes ben contacted me you know uh before he did the interview and, and asked how we were doing here in houston so definitely ben i, I thank you for that it definitely shows your compassion as a human as well as right
0: <laughs> you got to be compassionate as a writer cuz it's like
1: rule number one Absolutely. well yeah
0: in the top five rules <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so you know mostly on african-american <laughs> studies channel we talk with a lot of um, scholars and researchers who write nonfiction works. But, you know, uh, one of the uh, writers that I interviewed told me, he said, James, you've got to check out this book by Ben H. Winters. It's called Underground Airlines. It sounds like exactly the kind of thing you'd be interested in and your audience would be interested in. So that was enough for me. You know, I reached out to Ben H. Winters, and I tell you, she was absolutely right. Tony Presley Sano is, is the uh, the uh, scholar who told me about that. So shout out to Tony up there in Michigan. But, yeah, she told me
0: about, yeah.
1: uh, about Ben's work, and she was absolutely right. And I'm glad I got you uh, on the show today, Ben. And before we get into Underground Airlines a little bit, and, you know, we'll explain the name and kind of what it's all about. And, and you certainly can do some of those things. But just give us a little bit of background about you, Ben, your you know, your personal history, kind of who you are and, and what got you interested in this topic?
0: Boy, oh, boy. Well, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm a novelist. I've written um, and it's funny, I I, uh, I am a sci-fi novelist, I guess. I think of myself as just as much of a mystery novelist right. as a sci-fi novelist. You know, I, my first book that kind of got some attention was a thing called The Last Policeman, mm-hmm. which is a murder mystery Um Uh, It's a murder mystery. It's about a detective who's solving a murder, even though the world is about to end. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an asteroid that's going to come and destroy all life on Earth, and sort of the point of the book is, well, why is this guy solving crimes even though the world is about to end? So it's sort of an existential murder mystery. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, if you put a a giant asteroid in your book, that's a that's a science fiction book, whether you like it or not. You know what I mean? So so I got I started to get some attention in the sci fi community, which is wonderful. Um, Anyway, that was a trilogy, and then after those books I was sort of looking around wanted to do next. Um, and I did really like this. I, I, I like this working in this genre of using the mystery genre, but sort of setting it on, on its head in different ways, the sort of sure. alternate history thing. And, and then meanwhile, as a, we were talking about compassion, you know, and as a, as a human being, mm-hmm. aside from being an author, I live in America and I'm a person. And, um, I, I like many Americans have been continually shocked and startled and upset. And, um, by the, uh, incidences of, of, um, violence, uh, against African American communities, um, particularly by the police. Uh, you know, and there was, there have been a, uh, since I've been an adult and then even more, uh, certainly more recently, starting with Trayvon Martin, I think was the one that, um, I think s- said a lot of people who, who don't normally pay attention to these kinds of things, uh, got a lot of people's attention and became, um, for good reason, you know, that, that was a terrible murder. Um, uh, that boy. And, uh, and then there was a, since then, obviously, and, and before then, but there have been a series of, um, very high profile and very sad and, um, of these incidents, um, and more than sad, uh, uh, sad, but also, um, puzzling and distressing to everyone right. as Americans when we go, why is this happening? How can this continually be happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and that became something that I, I guess, like a lot of people, I was, Um, following the news and um, but I guess and then it sort of started my wheels turning as an author and going, well, what is a way that I might approach this? Um, How? Because, you know, when you're a writer, the things that you were thinking about as a person are not distinct from the things you were thinking about as an artist, you know, and so
1: um,
0: but then I have there was a I think a sort of hurdle I had to, to, to get over is that I'm also, I'm a white American, you know, so mm-hmm. this isn't my community that is being affected. Um, you know, of course it's my community as an American, it's which an American, is, I think, sure. an important part of this conversation is, uh, is white Americans not Letting ourselves off the hook and saying, well, this is something that is happening in black communities, so -hmm. therefore I can sympathize, but I don't have to actually activate because this isn't Mm -hmm. my people, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think it's important to take a bigger sense of what is my people, you know, my people are the American people. So, which includes, you know, my black brothers and sisters and my black friends and my, you know, black community. So, so anyway, I, I, I. As I was thinking about it, I was was really struck, and I'm I'm still struck, by the fact that when we talk about these things, we tend to very quickly get into, um, and certainly with Trayvon Martin, but then also, especially with Michael Brown uh, and Ferguson and -hmm. and Eric Garner and Staten Island, we, we tend to start talking immediately about what are ways that we could prevent these specific incidents from happening? Well, maybe we need more body cams or mm-hmm. we have to find ways to root out black, uh, you know, sorry, uh, you know, uh, uh, bad cops from black neighborhoods, You know, these mm-hmm. bad apples, or, you know, it's just anti-bias training, which all of these things are good and important. But there's, right. I think there's this there tends to be this huge missing piece from the conversation, which is that this nation was founded as a slave state. And for 200 and more years, we were buying and selling human beings. And those people were dark skinned people. And here we are today. And in many ways, we are living out that legacy, you know, and I think that that conversation for obvious reasons is very difficult to have, you know, and, and we tend to avoid it. So because I had written these alternate histories in the last policeman series and because this is the issue I was thinking about and I'm still thinking about, mm-hmm. I guess I had this notion of what if we what if we um, what if I were to write a book in which I sort of collapsed our history. And so that's where I came to Underground Airlines, which is a mm-hmm. book about. A contemporary version of the United States. Right. In which the Civil War was never fought mm. and there was still slavery practiced in four southern states. Mm. Um, and it's, so it is a it's way of using fiction, particularly using crime fiction to think about reality, you know, to say mm. how different is this reality? from the reality we actually live in and, and um, oh how can it's, it's just another way of talking about the truth. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I forget whose quote it is. That fiction is the lie that tells the truth. Like we, <laughs> the made up world, but it is a, a mirror of our own reality,
1: you know? And, and you're not in any way, glorifying the South or the civil war saying that you wish the South would continue into today's world. You're just God, saying, what would I hope not. I
0: I, yeah. I hope if anybody reads this book and comes away with it going, eh, this is pretty good. This is great. You know, I, I wish things were more like this and they have, they have grievously mid read, misread my intent. I don't think they couldn't have read the book and thought Yeah, that. they couldn't have read them. And I think it's interesting because, um, very much the, the point of the novel is to, Not just to criticize racism, although obviously it is, and to and to um, to point out uh, and sort of highlight the 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 fact that the historical evil of slavery is still with us in the contemporary evil of racism. These are not Mm -hmm. two separate things, right? What we live with today is the lineage, uh, the legacy of the evil of American slavery, right? And we can't. And I'm not saying these thoughts are original to me, but like we can't overcome. We can't in any serious way address these issues mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. without grappling with the past, without thinking about mm-hmm. how it came to be that we're still living with these institutions and attitudes. And, um, and so I do and I, I have contended with this and talking about the book and the publicity about the book. And, and it's in paperback now. It's already been over a year since the book came out. But certainly and with good reason, people look at a book like this and they go, oh, for, you know, with skepticism, with a little bit of wariness and saying, what well, is this kind of work? Is it, does it, is it going to um, say, is it, is it just a fun thing of saying, Oh, wouldn't it be cool or interesting if things had turned out differently, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, I hope if I've accomplished nothing else that the book is not just a um, it's not just using our terrible past As a as a um, and as as an excuse to write this kind of fun crime story that, Mm -hmm. in fact, it's the opposite of that, It's the inverse of that. I'm trying to use my ability as a crime novelist, as a mystery storyteller um, to sort of get into and to engage with these very important issues, which are unfortunately unfortunately remain very timely, you
1: know. Right. And if people know anything about your work, which you which you mentioned, you know previously here during our podcast, where they look you up and research, you know anything that you've done, Ben, they see that you are a writer in that that mystery genre. You write about crime, so this is just another way, exactly as you said, to, you know, kind of address some of these issues, you know, yeah. in, a, in a different way. It's not like you just kind of woke up one day and decided, hey, I'm going to get paid off of writing about you know, slavery and and, yeah. and those kinds of issues. I mean this just kinda goes in the same line of the things that you've already been writing about.
0: Right. And the thing is that like I can't even as I say that, I can't blame anybody for being uh, like I said, wary or skeptical, skeptical. Or, or dubious, you know, and, and looking at a publication like this and saying, no, wait a second, in part because there is a long history in this country, as your listeners will know, mm-hmm. um, of of, uh, of artists and particularly white artists using black characters and 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 black black historical themes in ways that are really reductionist or racist themselves you know mm-hmm. so like obviously i well not obviously but i um, hope if you read the book it's obvious that i labored very hard to not be in that mm-hmm. tradition you know to make sure that my characters were fully fleshed and my story was not exploitative but um i don't ask for anyone to give me the benefit of the doubt either i would i would i would hope that someone would read the book first mm-hmm. and say oh well hold well hold up you know this book does have um a contribution to make to sort of the conversation about the connection between slavery and contemporary racism and is done in a way that is not um stereotypical or or, uh, or vulgar you know crass
1: absolutely and if you you know if you're just checking in or you know you you're really engaged in the stuff that Ben's saying here we're talking about his book Underground Airlines and the author is Ben H Winters he's an uh, Edgar Award winning Author. uh, He wrote the Last Policeman trilogy, and now we're interviewing him on the New Books Network, the African American Studies channel, about his book that um, is, again, the the same line of work that he's done before, you know, kind of mystery, thriller, you know, crime, but it has this added twist of um, existing in an alternate world that uh, uh, would exist where slavery still exists, at least in some states. Um, yeah. in the world today. So, Underground Airlines, and it it's published by Mulholland Books. Yes. So, yeah. So, maybe just, just tell us a little bit about, you know, you don't have Please don't give the book away for us because we want every, sure. we want them to read the book. But you know, kind of yeah. give us a feel for what the what the book was, you know, is about. Um, and then maybe talk with us about, you know, about the title, why you chose that title, and you know, uh, how long a process sure. it take for you to write a book like this? Because it's a little different writing a fiction book than an academic book.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh well, so to answer your first question, the, the sort of basic premise of the book as we've said right. is that um it's contemporary America. I guess the book is set in 2016. Um right. and uh uh there was never a civil war. Lincoln was assassinated uh mm-hmm. before he could be inaugurated. Mm-hmm. Uh and then there was a compromise measure passed uh in 1860 as there had been as we know from our American history. Many many compromise measures passed um before then, you know, uh, in the constitution itself, uh, there's the, the, the compromise that allows for continuation of slavery and the fugitive slave act. And then there's a compromise in 1820, a compromise in the Missouri compromise and so on. So basically my book imagines that, um, C- compromise continued to be found down to the present day, um, mm-hmm. and the Fugitive Slave Act is still in force, allowing, again, as your listeners will know, um, uh, this is the African American Studies Channel. You'll know um, <laughs> about the, the horrible history of the Fugitive Slave Act—that um, you know that uh, enslaved people who did manage to escape to the North were not yet safe because uh, it was the responsibility of local law enforcement. Uh, and the U.S. Marshal Service to, to recapture them and send them back. So the hero or very uh, anti-hero of my book, I guess, um, is himself uh, an escaped slave who has been captured by the U.S. Marshals and turned into an undercover agent in exchange for his own continued freedom. He is. Um, mm-hmm. um, capturing uh escaped uh slaves so he is a villain uh in a way um uh, he is has made a terrible compromise and there again is that word compromise which is Mm -hmm. kind of the theme of the book what compromises do do um does he make do we all make um including very much the white people in the book who um who allow themselves to live with the fact of, of ongoing slavery um as many white people now allow themselves to live with um the fact of ongoing racism and, of mm-hmm. course, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, xenophobia and nativism in, in this country. So anyhow, uh, in the book, uh, my hero, basically, he's, he's engaged in trying to recapture this this one particular enslaved person who then turns out to, to be part of a larger conspiracy. And it, so it, mm-hmm. it, it sort of, the book kind of walks along the path of a a manhunter book, a sort of particular Mm -hmm. kind of mystery novel where Mm -hmm. you have one person who's looking for another. um, But as it walks that path, it, um, it engages uh, hopefully in a serious way in a way that is affecting with these more serious issues of um, Mm -hmm. of the history of racism in this country and, um, and the way that the government in particular um, treats citizens of different colors and different classes. Absolutely. So yeah, that's
1: a a, a very uh, enticing and, and, and interesting, uh, overview there definitely should get some people's attention you know attention and get them interested in this book and so anything, I- what
0: else you asked you asked uh, oh how long what the process uh it took, this, oh, yeah, book was- t- this book took me a couple years to write i would yeah. say all told yeah. including the sort of final edits it was a few uh, i guess i was writing it between 2000 late 2014 mid 2014 and then it came out mm-hmm. in 16 so yeah a couple years um mm-hmm. and it was it was it was very much informed by um current events mm-hmm. uh and you know, God, you know, it's it's a it's a, unfortunately the topic has not gone away. You know, Michael Brown was shot um, uh, while I was writing this book, and then the mm. week this book came out in 2016, um, Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge mm. and Castile uh, and, um, was shot. we both shot. Um, so it, it 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 is this topic. <laughs> you know, people's lives. This topic doesn't go away. It's very so, relevant. Very relevant. Yeah. It's tragically relevant. And like, I like to say, you know, the book is, it's an alternate history that is not alternate enough. And, um, there, (laughs) there are passages in the book where my hero reflects on the fact that although he is a government agent, although he is technically free, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he says some, you know, something like, like, like all African American men, I am never totally safe, you know, walking the streets of this country or driving my car in this country. I never feel entirely, um, like I am, uh, you know, free. And I, 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 and I, And like I said, you know, like I'm white. That is not an experience that I share from my life. You know, I have never had the experience, James, of driving a car in this country as a black man and and feeling um, whatever sense of um, of danger of passing a state trooper or, or, you know, or um, I've never, you know, there are cases that we read about where someone will stop to because their car breaks down and they're waiting for AAA to come and they end up getting shot by the police. And um Mm. Those aren't experiences that I have to fear and I don't have to tell my children to be careful in their interactions with the police in the same way that um, that a black mom or dad does in this country. Mm-hmm. So this writing this book then was an um, an exercise not only in historical research and in the sort of artistic imagination, but also what I think is a crucial um, sort of calling to all of us as Americans, which is mm-hmm. to to try to empathize with the experience of those who are not like us, particularly those who have been on the other end of the historical, uh, relationship, um, between oppressed and oppressor in this country. So like, I think what you will hear a lot of people say when they dismiss (laughs) that, when they dismiss the concerns voiced by those who, um, Black Lives Matter activists or even just mm-hmm. people saying, well, we still need continued affirmative action in this country. You hear mm-hmm. people with my color skin say, well, yeah, but slavery was a long time ago. And I guess the whole point of this book, if you could boil it down to one sentence, would be slavery mm-hmm. was not that long ago. You mm-hmm. know, and, and the things that we are dealing with now are are of recent vintage. and are And like mm-hmm. so we're not talking about reparations for something that happened, you know, 250 years ago just because we're talking mm-hmm. about it. And we're talking about ending racism now. Things are going on now, you know, and like discrimination. is. So obviously, you know as much about this as I do. And obviously, I could talk about it forever. But I guess the book, it's so important to me. It's so important to me when I talk about this book to talk about the issues surrounding it Mm -hmm. more so than any other book. I want to make sure people understand the extent to which the book is not an exercise in exploitation, but rather like all books should be in one way or another. It is a political object. You know, Mm -hmm. it wants to have some voice in the world.
1: Absolutely. And that book is Underground Airlines. And we're on the New Books Network, the African-American Studies channel. I'm your host, James Stansel, and I'm with here chopping it up with uh, Ben H. <laughs> Winters. I love, I love that a, expression. Yeah, from the from the West Coast. And I'm down here in, in, in Houston. And if anyone questions, if anyone just kind of sees the name or read a little bit about Ben's book and say, oh, here's another guy trying to get paid off of that slave experience. Listen to this podcast. Yeah. If you right. can't hear the passion... Another white and, guy. Yeah. <laughs> can't you can't hear the passion in, in Ben H. Winter's voice and, you know, what he's saying and how this is a meaningful project, you know, for him. Then you're not listening. I mean, this is not. And I can tell you, and I've talked with Ben a few times and and, and, and exchanged emails with him and stuff. I mean, he's a legitimate guy. And I mean, you know, these, these are real issues for him. I mean, he chose to write about this topic. There are many other things he could have written about. You know, but he chose to write about this this topic. I mean, this is a a, a best selling author here. This is not someone who's just trying to get out there for the first time. And so been, he he I've chose thinking to write about, about, about that. This. Go ahead. I've been thinking ben. about that recently. You know, there's been a lot of
0: uh, you know. It's very easy, like and and. It's not for none of this is easy, but I've been thinking about like that whole issue of like the, mm-hmm. the it's such an important issue of the representation of African-Americans in the sort of wider culture, what we call mainstream culture. Okay. And like this, there's obviously a big conversation right now about Confederate monuments and like uh, and then I saw this article was about like, what do we do with cultural monuments? -hmm. Um, Like, for example, Gone with the Wind, right? A classic of American cinema that is nevertheless quite racist, you know, and and also um, valorizes the American South and valorizes Mm -hmm. the Confederate cause and all that stuff. And it's like, well, do we just never watch that movie again? Do we tear down the, you know, do we burn all the prints? And like, obviously, we can't. We can't simply ignore our history. But then there's this wider question, which like you reminded me of that when you're like, well, Ben could have written about other stuff, and I could have, obviously. But it's like, we look back at something like gone with the wind and we go well there's a there was a that movie was racist but what we don't talk about then when we talk about that is what about the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of movies that were made around that time period mm. that didn't have any black people that didn't even acknowledge that black people existed and like the, and by which i mean the the history of it is so much broader than individual pieces of culture that might offend us there is this larger mm. issue of like when this book came out and there were people, and again, I can't deny people their skepticism and their wariness, but they go, why are you writing about this? What right do you have as a white author to write about black characters, to write about black experience? And I totally understand that. And my answer to that is long and complicated. It involves a lot of research that I did and a lot of like, the like we talked about empathy and like, right. but, I, but I still understand the question. I don't deny anyone their right to ask that question. But at the same time, it's like, so what do we do if, what if, if do we, if, do white authors then just. Not could not write about black characters at all. Am I not allowed to to give voice to a black character? Then we're in a dangerous territory too. Where racism, this sort of exclusion. So then we, well, I guess what I'm point I'm trying to make is we don't want to have just white books for white people and black books for black. Not at people, all. You know, and like because it was weird. I a few I remember a few weeks after Underground Airlines came out, and there. Oh yeah, a few weeks after the book came out, and there was these conversations about. Um, which I tried to participate in and, and and be honest and there was these conversations about well why are you writing about the about black people basically mm-hmm. or like how can you legitimately give voice to a black character mm-hmm. and again I had my answers to that and I, I would take them or leave them like I I think any artist should have the emotional and the, the imaginative capacity to give voice to a to another human being but then there was a, an interview with Jonathan Franzen for which he kind of got some grief mm-hmm. because he said something like. Someone asked him, why aren't there more black people in your books? And he said something like, well, I don't really know that many black people. And everyone was like, "Ugh, why? You know, so a little bit like I think I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think it's just really important that we we yeah. um, we two look, sides. We either yeah, two sides. And I don't think that no one should be castigated. No one should be. um I don't know. It's such a complicated question, but I think artists, I guess my bottom line is artists should have the right to write about Mm -hmm. whatever they want. But along with that, right comes with a responsibility to do it with humility and with with as much research as you can put into it Mm -hmm. so that you're not just sort of replicating old tropes and Mm -hmm. and boring ideas and and, um, offensive ideas.
1: And I would say, you know, evaluate, critique, read each piece separately yeah. Right. And and judge them that way instead of, you know, people just kind of uh, painting, painting a broad brush.
0: Yeah. Right? Well, we we live in this world now. And I think that social media has accelerated this where the um, that we are sort of rewarded for giving an opinion on things right away
1: mm-hmm. and, and making
0: that opinion as strong and as um, absolutist as possible. Mm-hmm. So there are no points now for subtlety. And there are no points now for, um, for, for uh, sort of patient reflection. you know mm-hmm. that our culture uh, is it, it moves at a pace where so that so what happens then is anything that has the sort of vague possibility of being offensive or being um, contrary to what should you know we think is acceptable, we mm-hmm. immediately condemn and cast out. and I think it's dangerous it's, territory. It's dangerous territory because um, uh, I think we, we we need to like I guess. I guess we need to be careful that we don't paint with so broad a brush that we are lumping in, mm-hmm. you know, someone who might write something that is slightly tone deaf or that mm-hmm. contains something that who or an, or an artist who accidentally or sort of not consciously includes a a possibly stereotypical or an offensive character or puts a a black character in a sidekick role that makes us roll our eyes, you know, like Mm -hmm. that we don't paint those artists with the same brush, which we literally right now in this country have Nazis and KKK on the streets marching with torches. Yes, we do. So, like, we have to make sure that we are making distinctions between people who are on our side, you know, who who are trying to engage, who are trying Mm -hmm. to be inclusive, um, And trying to have the conversation, but who might not know the right words, who might make mistakes in the way that they approach things, might offend our particular sensibilities, as opposed to people who literally Mm
1: -hmm. look at
0: you as a black man or me as a Jewish man, frankly, and go get out of my country, you know, give you my country back. And or like you shouldn't have jobs. You shouldn't be able to own a home. You know, like that's a big difference. And it it is all of our responsibility to keep our eyes on that difference.
1: Right. Right. People who have honest intentions, even if they may not. You know, go about it the right way versus people who have clearly evil yeah. or, uh, <laughs> intentions yeah. or or you know have bad desires for lots of people. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, you know that's and, scary stuff. Yeah, and I would argue that even in you know we, we could get into a whole philosophical literature literary thing that we won't do on this podcast. Yeah, but I'd like you that. can learn. Yeah, you can. That's <laughs> that's for you and I, I on that <laughs> off the air. But you know, I, I feel like as a scholar that you can learn something from everything, even in the you know, even in the the worst portrayals and the you know so on and so forth. You know, we we shouldn't just you know put an X on everything. But that's a conversation for another. Yeah, day. no, but I think it's a really important conversation, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Underground Airlines, Ben H. Winters, and you know, I'm just so excited. I'm 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 like a, a big fanboy up up here with uh, <laughs> the novelist Ben H. Winters because I I love his his, his work and and I, and I guess one of the things that I asked you earlier, you know, I like to ask this, you know, for, for everyone I have on a podcast, Ben is just in this in your case it's probably a little more simple. But Underground Airlines, why did you choose that title versus another title for them?
0: Oh, sure, it's funny the title. Sometimes the titles take a long time. This one, the title came pretty early and it's really just an extension of the metaphor. You know, underground railroad is obviously was a network of, um, there was no literal railroad. Um, although if you read Colson Whitehead's excellent book, the underground railroad (laughs) there is, but, uh, in, in reality, there was no underground railroad. Um, there were human beings who created a network and, I've I've simply suggested in my novel that if that were to continue to the present day, that ne- mm-hmm. that metaphor might be updated and they call it the Underground Air uh, re- Airlines and they refer to the escaping people as cargo and the leaders of the different you know networks are called flight attendants and, and air traffic controllers right. and so on. Um, so it's really just a, a, hopefully a kind of clever and,
1: and interesting way to, mm-hmm. to to talk about that. I th- I thought so when I when I saw the yeah. title, it worked it worked for me. Ben, Thank you so. I love it. I just wanted to make sure people didn't think that there was some, you know, some pie, airlines, no, and no, just no. like the Underground Railroad. No, 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 yeah. It's <laughs> funny, like secret it was
0: um, you know? that wouldn't work and it wouldn't be realistic. And I really with this book in particular, it was very much mm-hmm. my goal to make the book feel as real as possible. That this right. was um, that this was because, well, first of all, because I'm looking to show how our, our actual reality um is so troubled still by our, our, our slave holding past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so I wanted the book to feel real. And also just cause I think for an adventure story in an alternate universe, the more grounded um, that universe feels, then um, the more that we, uh, the more terrifying the whole thing is, you know, like, like I want our, I want my readers to feel for the time period that they're reading this book, like they're really living in this nightmare mm-hmm. dystopian version of America. And which is the same trick I tried to pull off with the last policeman where the sort of details of the oncoming, um, uh, asteroid, the, 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 upcoming end of the world. I wanted to, to feel like you're really living that experience.
1: Like it could be something that could happen yeah. today. Yeah. Which it could. I mean, yeah. the asteroid is, is
0: fairly, uh, um, it's not going to happen. You know, the, the scientists, our scientists have pretty much figured out that that's not a realistic fear, but, um, mm-hmm. and that's the thing people asked about, you know, God, was that a scary book to write? And, but like the truth is had written underground airlines, like, the last policeman was really about death, right? It was about the fact that we all live mm-hmm. with the fact that one day we're going to die, and how do we deal with that? How do we order our lives, you know? Right. And like, the truth is, the Underground Airlines was a much harder book to write because, like, mm-hmm. death is—it's inevitable. It's organic. There's nothing we can do about it. Whereas racism, mm-hmm. especially like institutional racism, you know, systemic racism, like this is within our control as a society to to mm-hmm. to fix or at least try to fix and to like. So it's much harder to realize that we live with it nonetheless. Because mm-hmm. here we are, we're, we have legislators and we have, we have a system with which we are supposed to make policy to make things better for ourselves. And the fact that we seem unable to do that and that people are suffering and children are born into a system that is unfair is so heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Like, where is mm, yes. death? Oh, like, I know what you mean. There's no way that we can legislate against death. But what we could pass reparations legislation. We could fix you know um we uh, we could mm-hmm. we could pass legislation to and you to fight more actively against housing discrimination and like and to to balance the books in terms of inequality in our schooling but the the fact right. that those things are ongoing ills is much more heartbreaking than the fact that we're all going to die one day cuz like what are you going to do about mm-hmm. that you know <laughs>
1: But we can do something about some of these issues that you're talking about. Absolutely, we can. And we don't. uh, It makes it more of
0: a horror movie. Yeah, it is. Right. And like, which is actually one of the, you know, that great movie, Get Out, the Jordan Peele movie, like Mm -hmm. he really, he literally takes race the horror of racism and he makes it into a horror movie. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was, I was trying to do something like that in this, which is take the mystery of our inability to Mm -hmm. fix these problems and make it into a mystery, you know? Um, And it's actually, I, I love that movie in part, in particular, because I think it's, um, too often, I think, culture that addresses slavery in particular is all about, like, you know, the the, the triumph of the human experience, and, like, this, there's mm-hmm. they're very solemn and serious and moving, quote-unquote, like, movies mm-hmm. or books, whereas I think there's something really exciting and exhilarating about taking this theme and doing it as a horror movie or doing it as a mystery novel mm-hmm. and, like, letting that, letting the big issues sort of, be swept up with it, but not be the focus of it. So that you sort of like let people think and reflect, especially white audiences, frankly, Mm -hmm. because this gets into a whole other thing, but like, I think for, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you know, but I think for African American audiences that it's less of a surprise to go. We're still to to point out that we're still living with the legacy of slavery. You know, that Mm -hmm. African American audiences will go, well, you know, kind of like no shit, you know, no kidding. You know, whereas like, I think, I just don't think it's something that white people are, in, in general, and I've obviously with many, many exceptions, but it's not something that we are, that is as as, as active as a day-to-day reality. Right. I, you don't live
1: with it. You don't
0: live with it. And so therefore, it is easier to ignore, and to, or to at least, or to not even to ignore, but to do the thing that good that well-meaning people do, which is to go, oh, yeah, that's a shame. And every once in a while, I'm going to give 25 bucks to the NAACP. And that's my part. You know, like we need to figure out ways to encourage ongoing engagement. Um, and I speak for myself as much as anyone. Like I am not in any way. Have I am I perfect? You know, but I, for me, I guess, you know, because I thought a lot about this. When you think about the, the history before this American history before the Civil War, mm-hmm. there are plenty of people in the North and even in the South who consider themselves to be abolitionist, but who consider the problem to be something beyond their ability to really engage with, you know, to beyond their ability uh, 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 to solve. And so you sort of go, well, that's a shame. Slavery is really a shame. And hopefully one day we'll all figure that out. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. you know, life goes on, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. for all of us, both in terms of, of racism and in terms of a lot of other problems besides uh, that is, that tends to be a very um, easy attitude to retreat into, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think so, if anything, that's what the book is about. It's about compromise. It's about complicity. It's about us allowing ourselves to, um, to allowing things to go on that we know are wrong. And that is, mm-hmm. um, it is easier to not do anything about, you know?
1: Absolutely. I read a great book. that oh,
0: sorry. Uh, called complicity. I, it was titled complicity and it was about the Northern states that profited off the slave trade. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, um, it's called The Complicity? It's called The Complicity, yeah. It was by uh, okay. the staff of the Hartford Current, I think, a newspaper staff, because um, they had done okay. a whole series about how Connecticut, the shipbuilding industry and the insurance industry, were right. built off of the slave trade, you know, and these northern states that thought themselves sort of morally above the crime of slavery mm. at the same time, like Wall Street, you know what I mean? Like, the, the money... So much of the early capital flows in this country came from the slave trade, even as the northern moralists were saying, well, we're so much better than those southerners because we're not buying and selling people. you know." <laughs> and it's so like we're, that, that's all of us at one time or another.
1: But what I was going to say is if if our podcast listeners, if you're enjoying this conversation and you're really into the things that Ben H. Winters is saying, you definitely want to check out his book. And it's the novel Underground Airlines. It's published by Mulholland Books and Ben you've got your own website right if people want to get in contact with yeah. you and share conversations whatever the case may be right Yep
0: benhwinters.com and I'm not good I'm not great
1: about the
0: internet I <laughs> <laughs> So but no you can I, there's a there's a contact me uh, link on there and uh, there's a yeah. post on there if you scroll down a little bit with some of the books that I read um mm. when I was writing this book which people you are I think right. listeners Oh that's great. in particular might find interesting just some of the nonfiction yeah. – um there's a book called, well, Slavery and Social Death. Um, mm-hmm. I read uh, The Half Has Never Been Told, which I think we might have talked mm-hmm. about before. Great, great book. Edward Baptist. Yeah, that book was, was – and, oh, and the, um, the, actually the first thing I read that was I found super moving and I still have reread again recently was uh, just the the article on The Atlantic called The Case for Reparations by Tan Hasse. Mm-hmm. And it's just like mm-hmm. – and that really is tracing out the connections between the past and the present. And then a ton of fiction, obviously, Invisible Man and lots of mm-hmm. Tony Morrison. You know, like I tried to – you know, I'm sure other authors tell you, academic and fiction authors, like, it's all about reading. For me, writing is all about mm-hmm. reading and just churning the stuff that I read mm-hmm. into. So you did your research. I really tried. I really, I read a ton when I was writing this book. and it's And, and research is always my favorite part of any book. It's like mm-hmm. learning and learning and learning, and particularly with this book, because, again, as a white person in this country, I do not have the direct day-to-day engagement with the experience of racism, either individual prejudice against me or the sort of institutional um, obstacles to overcome. And so I think right. it was extra important in terms of both creating the world and in sort of deepening my own empathy to um, to do a lot of that research, starting with slave narratives, frankly, um, and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of African-American fiction and all kinds of histories, not only of slavery, but of sort of the post-slavery, the ways that – the institutions, uh, slavery, sort of reformed itself uh, in Reconstruction and afterwards. Oh, a great book called uh, uh, "Slavery by Another Name," which one the Pulitzer mm-hmm. I think um, yeah. Yeah. incredibly interesting book about. Oh God, starting with, um, you know, the prison essentially reforming of slavery as um, mm-hmm. by, by the arrest of, of thousands and thousands of African Americans, nothing, and, which we're still again direct link. Here we are, you know, with with the mass incarceration system. This is not something that. That we just made up, you know, that in the 80s, the Justice Department decided to do a big prison build up like this is all connected. The past is still with us. And like that mm-hmm. is something that we as Americans love to turn our backs on and to say, well, just, it's equality. It's all about equality. So why are you asking for a handout? Why are you saying that you that, you know, like we, 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 we it doesn't start from scratch with each new generation. You know, we are the inheritors and like slavery didn't end with the end of, of, you know, with the end of civil war and and racism didn't end with the Civil Rights Act and it didn't end with the election of President Obama, as obviously since this book came out in July of 2016, Mm -hmm. we have seen a severe backlash against even the gains that we've made in the last 10 years, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, certainly with the new administration, the new Justice Department, you know, like we're not going in the right direction right now. So like, yeah, the past is very much still with us.
1: Absolutely, and um, one thing I, I I'm going to ask you, Ben, because I know people in the audience are going to want to know the answer to to, to this question. And we've talked about it a little bit offline. Are there any prospects so far for a a film adaptation, television adaptation, so and so forth? I know you're out there in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it
0: would be for this book. It would be television. And actually, I have written a pilot script for this. So, and there has been oh. there has been some interest. Now, you may have heard a few months ago HBO announced a show. You probably did hear called Confederates that has a similar right. theme. I think in their show it's an alternate history where. The South won the Civil War, I think. So mm-hmm. uh, that the fact of that show being in development. It, it makes it less likely that an underground airlines show will move forward. Although I what I have discovered about Hollywood is you just never know. You have no idea. It's right. all. <laughs> so I would no, you don't, you don't. really don't. So I'd be delighted um, to get the opportunity to to do this thing for TV. But on the other hand, I I would be surprised. It just given my experiences in Hollywood thus far, it is it's so difficult to, to move anything forward. So especially with this other thing happening, that got a lot of press mm-hmm. and you probably not. The press was not great um, for that mm-hmm. project. So I think it will be very I will be it'll be a difficult needle to thread, I think, to bring underground airlines to the screen. But I will
1: what I will say, though, Ben, is if the people demand it, then it can happen. <laughs> <laughs> right? and so, well, yes, yes. That's so. What I would say, hold, hold on, Ben. What yes. I would say is, if folk listen to this podcast and people reading uh, Ben's book, if you are interested in seeing his book on television or whatever, contact some networks. Contact some folk on Ben's behalf. Unless you know, it, it can make a difference, Ben. Yes, I would love to see it. You know, vi- visually um, as, as well. So you never, never say never. Yeah, I like that. Right? I like your attitude. I like your attitude, yeah. but at the same time, you know, there's something like um, I
0: love it as a book. I love it so much as a book, and like okay. you know, and I love the character so much, and I feel so. I guess it's been such a big experience in my life, both the mm-hmm. writing of the novel itself and and getting to do this, you know, getting to engage with um with interested readers, and particularly mm-hmm. for me, there's been a real kind of moving experience of dealing with not only the criticism of Uh, of the book, you know, having to do with, you know, me as a white author, but also then just getting into real, like some serious and kind of powerful conversations with people I might not otherwise Mm -hmm. have talked to. And like, so it's been like the whole thing has been, um, a kind of probably, I think more so than most things I will do as an artist. It's been a really moving experience. So in a way it's like, I'm, I'm satisfied with that. I love that. And, 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 and bringing it to TV because it's TV, it would just be such a whole other thing. And it it would be Mm. so, it would get further and further out of my hands.
1: It would be a bit diminished.
0: Yeah, a little bit. And not to say, you know, don't, I might turn around six months around and be like, hey, James, I got great news, you know, but, but, (laughs) and and that would be great. And then also I could, you know, continue, I could, there would be a new chances to have this conversation with people, you know, but I Mm -hmm. guess because our world is so polarized and because there is. The conversations can be so hard. There's a part of me that's like, mm-hmm. you know what, let's let the book be the book and, and um, be happy with that.
1: And, I, you know, I would even say, Ben, and I don't know if you've had because I was a high school teacher for a long oh, yeah? time, English and history. I would love to see um, Underground Airlines as a book that's taught in history class. Oh, yeah. You know, particularly like, yeah, at the AP level or even some English classes. particularly I say history, because that's something that we do in American studies and advanced level history classes. Kind of look at alternate histories and help the students learn what actually happened, based on the things that could have
0: yeah. happened, I would
1: love that, you know, that so much,
0: and I, and I think I would be, I, I and I think I,
1: I've gotten some emails, I think from college
0: level um, professors okay. that are teaching it. Um, I would, I mean, that would make me so happy, and particularly because I really did try to do my research and, and get the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny, a funny get thing, facts, right. a funny thing to say, right, in my alternate history, but to get the facts right, and I, particularly when I sort of spun out my scenario about how Lincoln came to be assassinated, you know, there's a real speech he gave. In Indianapolis on his way to be inaugurated, you know, about halfway mm-hmm. between Springfield, well, not halfway, but, you know, on the way from Springfield, Illinois to Washington, D.C., sure. stayed the night in Indianapolis. He gave this speech. It was really controversial. And that really all really happened. So all I did was I made it a little more controversial and I made somebody kill him afterward, you know, and so mm-hmm. I, I just I love the idea of of, of I don't know. Of a, of a history professor going, all right, well done, well done, Winters. <laughs> you know, you got me that. So, um, yeah, that
1: going me happy. All right. And so the book is Underground Airlines. It's a national bestseller already. And send paperback. Um, if you're interested in purchasing the book, you, you know, when you uh, come to our podcast page for New Books Network, you can click right through. You can go to Ben's website, and you can click right through to our bookseller partner and purchase the book right there right? Is there an audio version? There is. The
0: there is an audio version, and actually I okay. will give a good plug for the uh, the young man who did sure. the... Uh, his name is William Demerit, who's a young actor who okay. did the, the, the voice narration. He is just... He is fantastic. He is really great. Right. And I don't think this was an easy book to do the audio for, because the character himself plays a lot of characters. You know what I mean? He is an under mm-hmm. he's an undercover agent, so he does a lot of voices. Right. He does a lot of... And uh, this guy, William, he just... He nails it, I think. So if you are an audiobook awesome. person, I'm I could strongly
1: recommend getting the, uh, the audio version for oh. sure. Yeah. Shout out to William DeMeritt there. Great job, young man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. He's, he's terrific. So yeah. Thank uh, you. James.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, and I don't want to hold you all day, Ben. I know you're a family man and you've got some, <laughs> some things, you know, to, to, to <laughs> he's laughing like, yeah, yeah hey. well, but uh, you don't want to hold you all day. We can talk, you and I can talk offline for hour upon hour. hour upon
0: I want, hour. I want reading lists from you. I want you
1: to tell me what to read. <laughs> yeah, And, um, well, yeah, we'll get into that offline. And, and, de- and definitely, folk in Houston, I'm going to be talking to Ben. I've already talked to him a little bit about getting him down to Houston so he can talk with us in person about underground airlines. But, you know, that's a conversation for, again, uh, offline. But I did want to mention, uh, been and asked you what do you have in the pipeline i know you're working on some things or you know anything that you want to share with the audience you know you mentioned some of your previous books and they can go to your website yeah if they're interested yeah people if people like
0: this doing. book uh the next one to read i think would be the last policeman which is the first in a trilogy of alternate histories right. um and then i just i'm just now finishing the first draft of what will hopefully be my next book um mm-hmm. uh which i think is called the book of the missing although i'm not sure yet um So that, that won't be out though until at least a year from now. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm working, I'm trying to get some TV stuff off the ground, but as we said, it is, um, there are easier things to do, but, uh, yeah, I'm so I'm happy. It's a challenge. challenge, Yeah. So I'm I'm working, promoting this book still, and I'm working on the next one and, uh, all,
1: all is good. That's good. Well, you know, Ben, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the, uh, New Books Network, the African American Studies channel. It's always my pleasure to talk with you and, you know, just to hear your passion for this book and just writing and just life in general. You, <laughs> yeah, know, you, uh, you too, James. You, you, give, I, you give me energy. I'm
0: glad to find you uh, uh, <laughs> safe and, and healthy in Houston. And please give uh, give our give our love to your city. That's a tough road you guys are walking on now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're, of course, thinking about Florida now as yeah. well because God. the time that we're recording this, Florida's also facing some um some um, hurricane challenges. So I uh, love from Ben H. Winters and James Stansel and the New Books Network for Houston and for uh, the state of Florida. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well,
0: thank you so much for your time. James.
1: It's uh, uh, my pleasure. And again, the book Underground Airlines, Mulholland Books, and you can find it pretty much anywhere. I mean, it's in paperback now, audio. And, you know, thanks again to the author Ben H. Winters for spending some time with us today. And again, if you have any questions or thoughts or comments you want to share with Ben, you can you can reach him via his his uh, webpage, or you, you can send us something um, through new books network and I'll make sure that it uh, it gets to him. And um, we're going to probably end it right here. Thank you so much, Ben H. Winters. If you can tell our audience, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Uh, absolutely. So we will hear you, see you and all those good things next time on the new books network listeners. Peace and love and god bless stay strong florida stay strong houston all right we are back the new books network the african-american studies channel i'm your host james stancil just finished a great interview with ben h winters the author of underground airlines published by Mulholland books Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Ben H. Winters, great interview. I think our audience is really going to like it. And if you guys want to get in contact with Ben H. Winters or you want to come to your town or you want to talk with him a little bit about this book, definitely get in contact with him via his website. As you heard here, he's very open and a great person to talk with. So on that note, we're going to say goodbye. And I will look forward to hearing you and seeing you next time on the African-American Studies channel of the New Books Network.